All right. Are we ready for part two of our Rebrand You series? We are ready for part two of our Rebrand You series. And uh, why don't we read the scripture and then we're going to pray. Uh, we're in the book of Genesis chapter 17, beginning at verse 15. Genesis 17, 15, and we're going to read through verse 19. Genesis 17, 15 to 19. This is what it says. God also said to Abraham, As for your wife Sarai, sorry, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Verse 17. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Let's pray. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus that as we turn our hearts and minds to your word, that the power of your Holy Spirit would grant us understanding. I pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. That was a quick prayer, huh, Obi? <laughs> Last week we started this rebrand series and we talked about Abram and how God changed his name to Abraham. And we talked about how Abraham is an extrapolation of Abram. You see, Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of many nations. And so when God changed Abram's name to Abraham, what God was saying is, I am overturning your low expectations. I'm taking you beyond where you thought you were going to go. That is, the promise of God that came to Abram in changing his name to Abraham was simply an extrapolation of the promise that he was already walking in. God was saying, you're already walking in the blessing, but now I'm going to take you to a higher level of blessing. You're already walking in favor, but now I'm going to take you to a higher level of favor. And you expected that your favor would go this far, but I'm telling you that it goes far beyond where you thought it was going to go. And so in changing Abram's name to Abraham, God was attacking his low expectations. Now, the changing of Sarai's name to Sarah is a bit different because Sarah is not an extrapolation of Sarai. Like Sarai does not mean little mama and Sarah means uh, mama of many nations or something like that. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not, it's not anything greater actually. Sarah is actually a variant of Sarai. So it's like if your name was Daniel and God changes your name to Danielle. <laughs> right? It's like your name is Stephen, but God changes your name to Stephen. Right? It's like your name is Joshua, but God changes your name to Yehoshua. Right? It's the same thing. 
It's exact, like literally God didn't change her name. He just stated her name in a different way. This rebrand speaks a completely different message than Abram's rebrand. Because Abram's rebrand, God was saying, I'm taking you further than you thought I was taking you. But what God is saying to Sarah is something more subtle and more simple. What God is saying to Sarah is, I'm stating your name again in a different way because you didn't get it the first time. I'm saying the same thing to you that I've said to you before, but in maybe a different language. It's like God told you, like, it's like, imagine that you get a word from God and you're crying out to God, God, I need a word. And God gives you a word and says, you are handsome. And then, and then you still walk around thinking you're ugly. And then you're crying out to God, God, give me a word. And years later, he says, you are guapo. <laughs> it's like the last word I gave you is good. Your only problem is you didn't believe it. In giving you the same word over again, the same name over again, what I'm saying to you is that nothing has actually changed except your perception of yourself. You see, Sarai means princess. And Sarah means princess. <laughs> you didn't believe me when I told you you were a princess the first time, so I'm telling you again that you're a princess. You see, some of you, God is giving you a word today, but the word is the same word he gave you before. You simply stopped believing it. You let it fall by the wayside. You walked away from it, and God is simply giving you a reminder word. He's giving you the same word that means the same thing because the word of the Lord to you today is that the last word I gave you is good enough. So how many languages do I need to tell it to you in? <laughs> how many different ways do I need to say it to you? You're not Sarai anymore. You're Sarah. <laughs> you're not princess anymore. Now you're princess. Maybe you'll hear it this time. If I change it slightly, but keep it the same. For some of you, God is restoring that which he has never taken away. Wow. And here's why it's important that God rebrands Sarah. Because what happens earlier in chapter 17 is God rebrands Abraham. But in the same chapter, in the same conversation, in the same revelation, God rebrands Sarah. And here is the message in that. You see, to this moment, Abraham thought his wife was insignificant. To the promise over his life and Sarah thought that she was insignificant to the promise of God over Abram's life you see Sarah thought to herself it's about my husband getting the promise of God for him it's about my husband fulfilling his destiny he's the one God spoke to and said get out of your father's house and go to the place I'll show you I just supported him and said okay let's go he's the one who God said I will make you a, you know I will make your descendants like the sands of the sea I was just like okay cool he's the one that God spoke to he's the one that God called I'm simply here to support the call of God on his life I don't actually have a call of God over my life I'm just a support to the call of God over his life. And that's why Sarah, a few chapters earlier, came and said, you know, God promised you a son, but he's not giving you one through me. Why don't you take my maidservant Hagar here? Because yeah. it, it really doesn't matter who God fulfills the promise through. It's not about me. It's about you and God having the promise of God over your life. So Sarah was perfectly willing to step out of the way and say, 
here, husband, go ahead and have the promise of God over your life fulfilled. And God says, you tell your wife, Sarah, that it's not just about you. It's about you and Sarah. You tell your wife, Sarah, that she's not insignificant to this story. You see, she thought she was an extra in this drama. I'm telling you, she has a speaking part. And not only does she have a speaking part, but I've made her a main character. She's not a supporting actor. She's a main character in this, this drama. And you tell her that this drama does not hit its climax and come to its fulfillment apart from her. She thinks she's sitting on the bench. Tell her I'm putting her into the game. You tell your wife, Sarah, that she's not who she thought she was, that she's not insignificant or unimportant like she thought she was. You tell her that without her, this drama is not fulfilled. This story has no happy ending. This word from the Lord is to some of you who thought you were insignificant and unimportant. You think that the, that the purpose of God is for other people, but not for you. You think that you're unimportant and insignificant, but God wants you to know that there is a drama that's in the works right now, and he has made you the leading character of that particular drama. You see, each and every one of us has a drama that God has written in which we are the leading character in that drama. But the thing you need to know, Abraham knew that he was the leading character in his drama. What he did not know is that his drama included another leading character without which he could not fulfill his destiny because that's the second part of it. You see, when God rebranded Abram, he told Abram, you, your name is no longer Abram. Your name is Abraham. And what we're going to see next Sunday is that when God rebranded Jacob, he told Jacob, you, your name is no longer Jacob, but Israel. And what we're going to see the following Sunday is that when God, or when Jacob rebranded Benjamin, he told him, you, your name is no longer Benoni, but I'm calling you Benjamin. Sarah is the only one whom God did not tell her. He told somebody else. God was not simply telling Sarah in a private conversation with Sarah to think of yourself differently. God told Abram, you will no longer call your wife Sarai. Meaning... God is rebranding somebody else in your eyes. You see, this word may not be for you. It may be for someone else who is in your drama that you think is insignificant. Someone else that you thought was not significant. Someone else that you thought was unimportant. Someone else that you thought was of no consequence for the call of God over your life. And God is speaking to you saying, no, 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 no. This person is a main character in the drama for your life. And you cannot fulfill your destiny without this person. Abram. You tell your wife, her name is no longer Sarai. Her name is Sarah. And I'm going to give you a son by her. I'm going to bless her. I'm going to fulfill my promise to her. We always talk about Abraham being the father of faith to all who believe, but we don't recognize that there is no Abraham without Sarah. That there is no Abraham without Sarah. That God said, I'm sorry, but what you've done without Sarah, I do not accept. What you've done outside of relationship with her, I do not accept it. It is not valid. It's not going to bear my covenant. It's not going to carry my promise. But if you really want my promise fulfilled over your life, you've got to go back into Sarah, Abraham. And the most natural application of this message is that God is talking to us husbands. 
because we live in such a patriarchal culture and in such a, we've come from such a patriarchal uh, way of thinking that we tend to think of our wives as mere supports administrative assistants, and, and there's all kinds of misinterpretations of Scripture that's a, that, that we use to buttress that. Yeah. I've heard so many sermons in which there's talk of Eve being Adam's helpmate. Yeah. And it's that, that word helpmate is used as if she's simply there to be his administrative assistant, to help him fulfill his destiny, because it's really about Adam, but Adam couldn't, you know, Adam needed a helper. He needed a support. He needed a helpmate. And first of all, that word helpmate is not found in any translation of the Bible. You don't believe me? Go find it. I'll wait. It ain't there. It's actually taken from the King James Version, which says, God says, I will make him a helpmeet. The word meet there means suitable. That's why the NIV says suitable helper. And the word ezer for helper does not mean one who is subservient because in our day and in our time, the word helper means an assistant, someone who is subservient, an employee, if you could say. If somebody says, oh, this is my helper, they don't mean this is my equal. They mean this is someone who works for me, whose sole job is to assist me in doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but it's really all about me. But the word ezer in Hebrew literally means rescuer. God says, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a suitable rescuer. He'll die without her. He's not going to make it without her. And it still doesn't mean subservience. Why? Because the word ezer, as it's used over and over again in the Hebrew Bible, do you know who it applies to the most? God. Over and over the psalmist says, you are my helper. Ezer. What he means is you are my rescuer. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He's my helper. He is not my administrative assistant. He is not my subservient. In fact, he is my superior. Do you realize that when God said he would make Adam an Ezer, if anything, it meant that, no, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> you saw where I was going with that. That We don't want bad theology in either, either side. But it's, listen, Eve was taken from Adam's rib, not his feet so that he should lord over her, and not his head so that she should lord over him, but from his side so that she might stand next to him. We've got to get rid of this bad patriarchal theology. God is liberating some of you women. God is speaking to some of you women in this message today because it's so easy for some of you women to think of yourselves as insignificant and some of you have been told that you are insignificant. Some of you have been treated like you are insignificant. Some of you have been treated like you're not worth anything or all you are is a helper, but God wants to break you free today. There's a liberation movement of the spirit today in which God is speaking to some of you ladies today and saying you are the star of a drama that I've written for your life. You are the leading character. Abram, it's not just about you. It's about your wife. And that also means that in order to fulfill your destiny, Abraham, you've got to begin to pursue intimacy with your wife once again. Because at their age, may I say, that Abram had long since stopped pursuing intimacy with his wife. 
in any way that might have pursued a child. You, listen, who is it in your life that you've stopped pursuing intimacy with? That God is rebranding in your eyes. Dr. Kirby Clements always says that there's three laws that determine your destiny. The first is the law of experience. There's certain things that you just have to experience, certain things that you just have to walk through before you can fulfill your destiny. The, certain is the, the second is the law of place. You've got to be at the right place. Sometimes God just hasn't brought you to the right place yet. But the third is the law of relationship. There are certain relationships that you have to have. And apart from those relationships, you will not fulfill your destiny. The saddest thing, and this is why I'm so sad for the body of Christ at this moment and at this time. Because what we've seen with this election, it's been the most divisive election, in, in, at least in recent history, in my lifetime. And what's divisive about it is that both sides, and I'm talking about within the church. I'm not talking about in our country. I'm talking about amongst Christians. More Christians have divided over this election than perhaps any previous election, at least in our lifetime. Why? Because you've got one side that believes that the other side is on the side of Satan and has voted for Satan. And then you have the other side that believes that the other side is voting for racism. And so... You know, when one side says, if you vote for this person, you're a murderer, and then the other side says, if you vote for this person, you're a racist, what we've done is we've cross-vilified one another. We've cross-demonized one another. And we've used this election, this human election in a human nation to divide brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God. May I say to you today that regardless of what your perspective is, we must learn how to keep unity in our hearts, how to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, I I recently met with someone I love who voted for someone different than I voted for. And we went out and we had a wonderful time. We shared together and I, I asked him his perspective. He asked me my perspective and we both shared openly and we just honored one another. We don't have to demonize one another. We don't have to accuse one another. We don't have to label one another. And what we need more than anything right now in the body of Christ is to open our eyes and allow God to rebrand our brothers and sisters in our own eyes. See, this word isn't just about husbands and wives. It's about brothers and sisters in the body of Christ where God says you thought that people who think differently than you are unimportant and insignificant. Maybe God needs to rebrand Republicans in your eyes. Maybe God needs to rebrand Democrats in your eyes. Maybe you need to look and not see an enemy but see a brother or see a sister. Maybe to open your eyes and say, this person thinks differently than me, but I still need you to fulfill my destiny. Maybe God is rebranding the body of Christ in your eyes. Because maybe you've been so disillusioned. I've talked to people on both sides, some who have been so disillusioned by the way the Republican Party, uh, by the way the the, uh, conservative Christians have sold their souls to the Republican Party, and then others on the other side who have been so disillusioned by the way uh, Democratic Christians have sold their souls to abortion and so forth. And, and, And both sides, I feel this disillusionment, this growing disillusionment with the church, and I feel this growing sentiment growing in some people that says, maybe I don't need the church after all. And God wants to break that. Disagreement? Yeah, we can disagree, but we still need one another. And what we need in this country is to begin to heal the wounds and the brokenness and the separation and the division. That division in our country is far more concerning than the outcome of any any election. 
I can just imagine Abram coming home and calling in Sarai. Something I got to tell you. My name is no longer Abram, but I'm Abraham. God told me that. And Sarai's like, oh, congratulations, honey. I knew from the moment we left Tehran that you are going somewhere, baby. <laughs> and God is doing something in your life. I'm just so happy to be your support. But honey, there's something else the Lord told me. Your name is no longer Sarai. Your name is Sarah. Because God said, he's going to make you a mother of many nations. He's going to make you a mother of kings. He's going to bless you and he's going to exalt you. God told me that it's not just about me, it's about me and you. God showed me that I can't fulfill my destiny apart from you. And God is, is calling you right now, honey, to open the door to the promise of more. Why was that revelation important? Because had God not given Abram that word for Sarah, when he showed up at the door of her room that night, she probably would have told him to get lost. Those days are over, honey. <laughs> you know how old we are? <laughs> mm -mm, don't be coming knocking on my door. We done let that go a long time ago. But the promise of God animated within them an expectation of intimacy that had long been lost. You see, the prophetic, as it has functioned in the American church, has become so individualized. I want to get a word from God for me. About me. But this word from God is not about you. God is rebranding someone else. For some of you, you are the Sarah that God is rebranding because you thought you were insignificant. But notice that when Sarah receives the word, God in that experience rebrands both herself and her husband. That is both Abram and Sarah both received a cross revelation that is not just about me. It's about me and you. It's not just about me. It's about us. That entrepreneurial spirit, that individualistic spirit that says it's about me, myself, and I. And everything I do and everywhere I go is about situating myself in order to get the max, to fulfill my potential to the max. And God says, no, 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 no. It's about relationships in the kingdom of God. And God wants to open the door to the promise of more in your own heart. He wants to open the door to the promise of more. Listen, some of you have, been, have had broken relationships in places where God wants to mend some of those relationships. Some of you have lost intimacy in your marriage, and God wants to restore intimacy in your marriage. And some of you have closed the door, and you thought, it's impossible. My wife won't listen to me, or my husband won't listen to me, or there's no way. God wants to rebrand your spouse in your eyes. He wants to rebrand your marriage in your eyes. He wants to rebrand the body of Christ in your eyes. And in doing so, he wants to open the door in your own heart to the promise of more. You are not insignificant. You are not unimportant. And you know what? You need to look at that person that you thought was insignificant, or even if you simply thought they were 
less significant. This is a message God has spoken to me again and again and again throughout my marriage. Because I'll be the first to admit that when we first started this church, I had this arrogance and this pride. And it, it was not 100%. I mean, I also had some humility where, <laughs> you know what I mean? But that thing deep down inside me that I would never articulate, but I would think, I thought I was the greatest man of God to ever touch down on planet. I mean, there, there was just a part of me that just thought, and I just wanted my wife so desperately to just support me. But you know what I needed that she gave me? She also critiqued me. <laughs> you know, we used to get in big fights because as soon as we get out of the service on Sunday morning, we get in the car, she'd be like, here's what was wrong with that message. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I would defend myself, you know, and, and then finally we, we would talk about it. We even went to therapy about it. And, and I was like, so we created this rule. We were like, okay, here's the rule. On Sunday after church, just tell me I did good. But on Monday, you can tell me the truth, <laughs> right? And so after church on Sunday, she'd be like, that was good. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah, that was good. And then Monday afternoon, I'd be like, all right, <laughs> lay it on me. She's like, it was good, but you just went 20 minutes further. You know, after you already ended the message, you still talk for another 20 minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that type of thing. Or when you said this, it was too much. Or that joke went way too far. You were just a bit too inappropriate and offensive. And I remember after a few years, we were leaving the service one Sunday, and I said to her, as soon as we got in the car, we were leaving, I was like, all right, lay it on me. And she goes, it was good. I was like, no, 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 tell me the truth. Like, tell me what you really think. She's like, oh, so we don't need that rule anymore? And I was like, nah, we don't need the rule anymore. Just, just tell me. She's like, yeah, I, you kind of missed it there. And I was like, yeah, I thought so. It was like I, I came to a place where I realized that I need not only her, but her honesty. And that God put her in my life to sharpen me. And not just to sharpen me, but vice versa. Iron has to sharpen iron. Yeah. And that it was in our intimacy with one another that God was going to fulfill his promise to her, and he was going to fulfill his promise to me, and he was going to fulfill his promise to us. Who is the us? Maybe the us in your life that you've neglected. Maybe the us that you've abandoned. Are you aware of how deeply we need relationships in the kingdom of God? Today, God wants to rebrand those that you thought were insignificant and unimportant. And in doing so, he also wants to break off of your mind and heart any thought that you yourself are insignificant, are unimportant. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. And I'm going to invite my wife to come as well as we turn towards the altar. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would speak to us by the power of your word, and by the power of your spirit. Open our hearts. Open our minds. Lord, I pray for those who might be like Sarai, who felt insignificant and unimportant, and I pray, Father, that this word would pierce to the depths of their hearts, that they would see and know that God has a leading role for me, and that something would awaken in their hearts that says, I'm ready to step into that role. But Father, for others, Lord, whom God has not 
rebranding, but he's rebranding someone else in their eyes. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us so powerfully by the power of your spirit and specifically that you would begin to use this word to heal the wound and the division that's transpired in our country, in the body of Christ. Lord, there can be separation and division in our country, but not in the church. Lord, we're supposed to be better than that. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to the truth, that even if we don't agree, we can still walk together, that we need one another. Lord, I just speak your blessing over each and every soul. In Jesus' name.